It, it kind of weirdly fits with Midsummer, the idea of like other people <laughs> carrying your grief for you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sure this is the only podcast that's comparing those two movies. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought there was I mean, something really you could call Midsummer the farewell. Also, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, oh, gather up the brokenness and bring it to me now. The fragrance of those promises you never Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 566 with a review of The Farewell. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, we are talking about The Farewell. Um, we are back from our respective trips that yeah, we went on. Our, um, our farewells. <laughs> yeah, our farewells. Um, and this is our fair return. <laughs> um, I don't know. What's the opposite of farewell? Uh, I guess welcome doesn't have the right like connotation. Yeah. Um, greetings. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are we are back. Uh, hopefully, we'll be returning to a more regularly scheduled release. Um, welcome, as, yeah, as, welcome and yeah. farewell, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> we did, we did it. It's it's late. We're tired. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, so so we're kind of back. We wanted to pick up um, here where we are. We uh, decided to make an executive decision and skip the Lion King because. Yep. Uh, I mean, we hear that it's not really that great. Can I, can I tell you, though, I almost watched it in Bangalore on Thursday. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, there, there was a theater showing it, and I looked at, like, the time, and my flight out wasn't until, like, 3 in the morning, and I was like, I, I, I could do it. <laughs> do you know if it was dubbed or subtitled? I, oh, I imagine it was probably still in English, because okay. there's no, like... I, I mean, each state in India has their own it's, language, yeah, but there's, there's enough other languages. people that English is a pretty common transfer yeah. language. It's, you can't see the movie because there's just all sorts of subtitles yeah. covering the whole screen. Yeah, who knows? Uh, I'm pretty sure that one would have been in English, Yeah, but I didn't give it a chance. I decided <laughs> I would eat some food instead of, you know, watching The Lion King. From, from everything I've heard, that was probably a good choice. Yeah. I did listen to The Lion King soundtrack on the plane, though. The original or the current The original. One? Definitely okay. the original. <laughs> And, oh, I just can't wait to be king has been stuck in my head ever since. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, so we are going to talk about The Farewell. This is a film that uh, I saw at SF um, Film. Um, you were leaving for a trip. I, yeah, I was going to a wedding in South Carolina. Okay, so so you missed it for a wedding. Um, so I am, will be talking about it with months in between when I originally saw yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to have two of these episodes in a row because I'm going to do the same thing with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood next week. Yeah, it, it's, our, it's our new format. One yeah. person sees it several months ahead of time and then waits to talk about it and the other person talks about it literally having just come from the theater. Yeah. Um, th- th- this should be fun. I think that my um, my thoughts at the time um, are pretty ingrained in my head so mm-hmm. I think it should be safe. Um, there is another one of those secret episodes. Yeah, I remember... <laughs> I, I remembered you talking about this at least partly on the podcast. Yeah, so um, that one. I Did you re-listen to the raw audio of it? I didn't re-listen to the raw audio, but I but it's it's there. I remember distinctly what I said, and I'm going to try to nice. to the best of my ability repeat that here on the podcast. But uh, before, do you have any plane movies that you would like to share from your from your so, journeys to Ireland? So I don't have the stamina to consume m- media for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do do on planes is watch movies I've already seen 
on other people's screens. Oh, great. Um, not creepy. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's screens like many, many rows ahead of me. It's not like the screen right next mm-hmm. to me or anything. But I just I, – I turn off the screens directly in front of me because I don't want the distraction. And then I can't help but watch things that other people are watching. Um, so I saw a, a, star, a Star is Born mm-hmm. like – too many times <laughs> i saw fighting with my family yep. which i actually haven't seen for real but i basically watched the whole movie on silent also here's the thing i was listening to podcasts and i was just swiping through the thing and they had like all the marvel movies yeah so i was like oh well i'm just gonna put i'm just gonna put iron man on on silent and i'll just turn on the closed captions no closed captions for iron man mm. so i just Watched half of Iron Man on complete silence. What were you listening to while you watched it? Uh, it was, you know, just a playlist of all the politics podcasts. Have you considered listening to Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> the song? It just feels like you could, you know, get in the zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, it was it was still enjoyable mm. watching it on silence. How did, how did you like fighting with my family without words? Um, well, so here's <laughs> here's the weird thing. I wasn't... A hundred percent creepy. I was just partially creepy. Yeah. So I would watch and kind of tune out and watch, and like the girl's hair changes color like multiple times, and mm-hmm. I couldn't tell whether. And then like I can't tell whether that like that's is that her brother or her yeah. husband? Her brother. <laughs> who who does he have the baby with? Uh, his girlfriend. Okay. Do we meet the girlfriend? Sure, a little bit. Okay. I just saw them fighting. I was like, wait, is that? I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> So it's it's no, very but the, confusing but, with no sound. Mm, yeah, I would recommend. I would because I watched that was one of the twelve things I watched on airplanes this week. Yeah, um, and I would say it is this year's Eddie the Eagle. It okay. is definitely the the feel good sports ish you know movie where someone has an unlikely dream and then we get to watch them <laughs> yeah. achieve it. But, um, but at any time, does she yell, "I want to be a ski jumper"? <laughs> no, but you know. <laughs> They've got their own accents. <laughs> it's, it's, that was the first movie he was a rocket man in. Yep. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Wow. See, that's a ski jumper <laughs> joke. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, um, I watched many, many, many films as established. I think I'm forgetting one or two because I'm, I jotted them down and it doesn't seem right. But the ones that I know I saw were High Flying Bird, Her Smell, Hump Day, Fighting With My Family, Apollo 11, I rewatched Jerry Maguire, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Three Faces, Elephant, Teen Spirit, Dogtooth, and Transit. And then I couldn't take any more movies. <laughs> and how long was your flight? Uh, so the flight to India is, it's a like 11-hour flight to Frankfurt and then another 10-hour flight to Bangalore okay. from there. And I did that and basically did it in reverse. <laughs> okay. Plus a little longer because of layovers and stuff. Yeah. So in, basically, in total, I had f- like 50 hours of airtime last week. Yeah, basically just you're getting there was my entire round trip. Yep. Yeah, like when I, when I was going from Europe back to the States, I was like, oh, I'm almost home, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a lot of those, not all of those were 2019 movies, obviously, but quite a few of them were. Uh, I really liked Her Smell, and I want you to watch it now. Okay. Because I, I don't think your your dislike for movies with unlikable people will necessarily apply here. I think it might apply to parts of it, but I think there will be a payoff that is rewarding enough that you might enjoy it anyway. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, Fighting with my family, I thought was great. I think you, I can't imagine a world where you don't enjoy that movie. Um, uh, Teen Spirit was a movie Carson turned me on to that's Elle Fanning as a, uh, like she's entering basically an American Idol type contest hmm. in Britain. 
it was either early this year, end of last year, but I don't think it hit the States till this year. Um, and Elle Fanning does all the singing, and she's, like, crazy good at singing. Huh. That, that's the main takeaway from the movie, but, like, I liked it enough for what it is. I think if you didn't like Vox Lux, but if you wanted, like, a version of Vox Lux where you can kind of like everybody and the, <laughs> and the music sounds really good, I think you would maybe enjoy this and one. And the filmmaker's not up their own ass? What? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Def- this filmmaker is definitely making a pop movie, not a... Uh, not a movie about 21st century uh, anxiety. <laughs> um, and Transit, I, I don't know how you would feel about it. I thought it was like a really interesting, it's kind of a, it, it's a movie that's based on a book that is set in World War II era Germany. But then the movie decides to make it be vaguely in modern day. Like it still feels kind of old timey, but then you see like phones and billboards and things like that that show that they're not and it's trying to like make you feel kind of lost and out of place huh. and it kind of it, it got me well uh i don't know how i would feel if i was like not watching it when i was in transit you know so i was kind of in the zone <laughs> you of, are a sucker for yeah, like, like, for I that, had, like being in the state of which the film is exactly, talking about yeah, yeah like i had a glass of red wine with me and the movie was kind of like ambiguous and floating in like the fleeting connection between people who are on their way somewhere else and i would I, I was digging it. I, I don't. I probably need to watch it again to really get it. And one that is not new, but I want you to watch Hump Day if you haven't seen Hump Day. What is Hump Day? Uh, it's a. I know people hate the word now, mumblecore, but it, it's a it's a movie from like 2009, I think, where Mark Duplass is a married. You had me at Mark Duplass. <laughs> yeah, Mark Duplass is a married guy. Uh, he and his wife are planning on having a kid soon. And then his old college friend, who's like an artist who's been out traveling the world, crashes. Like he he comes home and wants to crash on the couch. And one night, when they're talking with a bunch of his artist friends, the discussion of the Hump Film Festival comes up, which is Dan Savage's um, amateur porn festival. Where the premise of it, which is a real thing, the premise of it is people will submit a pornographic film. It'll air at this festival and then be destroyed forever. So it's like if people wanted to do porn but they don't want the notoriety that comes with it, then that would be a part of it. Hmm. And they've been drinking a lot and they have this discussion that they kind of egg each other onto of like, you know, it would be really crazy is if two straight guys tried to make a porn together. And they basically, him and his friend, like basically like dare each other into like, we are going to film pornography between ourselves <laughs> and it sound the premise sounds like it would look real bad by 2019 standards right like know how i know you're gay or something yeah but th- the movie nails it so well <laughs> like it, it it becomes very believable that these two guys would have this kind of like confused idea of like what it means to be like progressive or in control or show that you're not like a loser who like doesn't get it quote and it it becomes like a weird like a macho thing where they like they try to prove to themselves that they can do this and it, it and it, it's really funny and really awkward and huh. i i was actually quite impressed by that movie <laughs> all right so hump day everybody holds up in 2019 <laughs> that that was not me hinting at anything by the way <laughs> uh cool well <laughs> um yeah there's also one other thing that we both watched i guess two things that you watched but we are going to save that for potentially a future conversation um to make that one really really worth it so that's just a little tease for you guys yeah um but yeah for now 
Are you ready, Stephen, to talk about The Farewell? Oh, I'm ready. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Farewell, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. <laughs> What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. Your nan is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. We have to go to China. Wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her. He's my only cousin. Don't you think I should be there? You can't hide your emotions. If you go, Nana will find out right away. Really? Zala? Tanya Shouldn't we tell her? Isn't that wrong to lie? It's a good lie. Most families in China would choose not to tell her. She's dying. Can you be a little more sensitive? What do you want from me? To scream and cry like you? So that was the trailer for The Farewell. Um, basically, it is a uh, true story um, that was originally a This American Life episode, right? Um, yep. And it's since been made into other things, including this movie. And it's basically about a, uh, a grandmother who... Um, the doctors basically determine that she is terminally ill and that she will be dying soon. And the family decides to keep that information from her. And uh, she uh, lives back home in China. And the family is going to travel back from the States over there to kind of hold this like mock wedding, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, um, to stage this wedding so that they can spend time with the grandmother and have fun with her. Um, in hopes to kind of spend some time with her before she passes, all while trying to keep um, the uh, the truth about her results from the hospital away from her. Yeah, Stephen Miller, what did you think of the farewell? I really, really, really enjoyed this movie, um, and that is with a lot of things working against it tonight. Uh, one, as previously mentioned, I was just in India. I haven't really gotten good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, so I was pretty tired going into the movie. The girls at the Alamo Draft House who sat down next to me and each opened burritos wrapped in tinfoil and proceeded uh, to slowly unravel the tinfoil throughout the first half so, of the movie. So, for, uh, the guy in my theater 
told every single person in there, just so you know the rules, one of them is no outside food. Like, how did one of the servers not even see t- it? A guy saw it at the beginning, and he was like, hey, uh, you can't have outside food in here. And they put it away, and then 10 minutes later, they, like, reached in as they if they were getting away, away with something. They put it away? They just put it, like, in their purse? Yeah. That, yeah, like, the okay. guy was trying to be game. It was, The thing is, I, I was mad about the noise, but I was also, like, stressed about... If there is a confrontation and the guy comes again, that's just going to be even more distracting. So there was like a, I honestly contemplated like taking out my wallet and being like, I will buy you dinner if you order something instead of eat this (laughs) fucking burrito next to me. (laughs) But I feel like that behavior shouldn't be rewarded. Anyway, so there were noise issues. I was quite sleepy. Uh, I was so sleepy, in fact, that like one big conversation in the third act of the film I kind of like got in my own head and started thinking about like a rabbit hole and then realized like for the last minute I hadn't been reading the subtitles. <laughs> um, and even with that, I like, I think this was just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, I, it, it's tempting to kind of compare it or contrast it to Lost in Translation, which I know is a, like a, a touch point for way too many things for me. But it, <laughs> it, Lost in Translation was about like Sofia Coppola as an outsider looking at what traveling to Japan and feeling isolated because you are not a part of that culture. Like, like if that was her viewpoint, I feel like The Farewell is about someone going to a place where community is everything and giving us like an inside window. It's like an inside outsider view, right? It's the a feeling of nostalgia for this place where everything seems to be moving a little bit more slowly, more quietly. Everything is about family and togetherness and each other. And it just puts you in this kind of very nice meditative place while you watch it. Uh, Meditative enough that you don't want to shout at the girl eating a burrito (laughs) next to you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I think this is just a very, very charming movie. Um, The plot, I like it, it's a very personal plot and it's a good vehicle to dissect how family feels for a Chinese uh, Chinese immigrant who has moved away from home. I think the the plot itself is not that important to the charms of the movie. I think the charms of the movie are watching Aquafina's family in China interact with each other in like incredibly believable older relative ways. And watching her absorb all of this information about her family and kind of come to terms with who who am I? What where do I belong? Right? What what does it mean to to be from here but to have been away so long that I can't really speak the language that well anymore and I can't really I, I can't embrace either thing, basically. And, and I thought this movie was just a really, really beautiful uh rumination on that. Um I think the the character of Nene is adorable. <laughs> uh, the the like the woman who plays her, I feel like she has to be Aquafina's grandmother in real life because that's the only way I can explain how like their chemistry feels that natural and believable. Um, uh, I do think Aquafina did a good dramatic job, though. I kind of I think you mentioned when we talked before that like it the role is pretty understated, so it isn't like it is that meaty a role to dig into um but considering she normally plays like big over-the-top characters character yeah seeing her do understated i think it's kind of like when sylvester stallone does like a heartbreaking speech and you're like oh my god you can be you can be that also uh and and for me that hit really hard i think the the soundtrack in this movie is really nice too um 
there's a lot of like ambient music when they're just walking around China. Uh, but there's also a Leonard Cohen cover that comes when they're in a taxi near the end of the movie that got me real good. That was what like pulled me back into the emotional moment after my brain took me out of a monologue that I should have watched. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think this was a, a lovely, quiet movie that could probably be hurt by overhype. Like, I think if people are coming into this with huge expectations of all the dramatic highs that it's going to hit, I think they'll be disappointed. I think what the movie does really, really well is keep a good, even keel and just let you let you feel what it would be like to be a part of this family. Um, as someone who has, like, gotten nostalgic traveling to China a few times before being alone, I, like, a lot of that feeling got brought up for me here of just, like, the feeling of walking around on the street and feeling like a face in the crowd and the, I don't know. There's just so much that I feel like the movie communicates really, really well. So yeah. I, I liked it a lot. I want to watch it again to pick up the little bits that my brain farted out of existence. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I was into it. Yeah. So I, I, I very much enjoyed the process of watching the film. Mm -hmm. um, I think, as you said, it is incredibly charming. I think if it weren't for the family, and their performances, and just, like, the mundane part of the film films, I wouldn't necessarily like it mm. that much. But just the family is just so engrossing, and just seeing their moment-to-moment, -moment and just watching them interact, the, like, I don't know if it's the grandfather of the family, just the, the older guy who's just walking around doing his own thing the entire film. I don't even remember if he has a line of dialogue. He's just spilling water on the floor and like eating noodles sloppily in the he, corner he says i'll get it once when One somebody time. tells him to get alcohol which he's supposed to be basically deaf so i don't know how that works yeah yeah um so like just every little bit of interaction between characters in this film is incredibly engrossing um the story itself i think is less captivating because it i feel like the entire story of this film is just the elevator pitch and doesn't have much more to say outside of that mm -hmm. because it's one of those wild stories that when you hear for the first time in a This American Life episode, you're like, whoa, that's crazy. The fa like grandma's dying and the family's not telling her. That seems insane. And like, yeah. you want to hear from the person's mouth what that was like. And that's a really interesting story. Seeing it play out in real time is less interesting because you kind of get like you, you got it already. You're just watching a film that's like, mm -hmm. because there is no complexity added, it's the entire film is just them keeping it a secret. Yeah. There is, it's not like a, it's not like a stereotypical American film where at some point she's going to find out and that's going to cause a problem. It, yeah, it's just, there, there's no grand speech from like a stage where she breaks out all the information. <laughs> I, yeah. I think yeah. It's okay to say that. It's literally just, you're watching the family enjoy time with each other and everybody just, knows that grandma's gonna die soon and that's it and i think it, it was funny because in in the q a after the film when i saw it at the festival um the filmmaker was talking about oh lulu wang was there yeah yeah oh, she, nice. so she was there to talk about about the film and the process and kind of what happened and there was there was one moment in the q a where she said that she was talking i believe with her father about the fact that she was writing this film and um the father said, but who's going to want to watch that? <laughs> and on paper, I'm on the father's side. Like, it doesn't feel like there is enough there to have a full conversation about. Like, the film can't do more than give you the premise, right? It's not mm -hmm. saying grand things. It's not making grand gestures. It's just watching this family in this little slice of life moment. 
And that is incredibly compelling. But part of my brain is just like, but there's no story. You just lied to your grandma, and that's the whole story. And ask you before sunrise. Like, isn't there a whole subgenre of movies where the whole story is the elevator pitch, but watching the slow unraveling of the characters is the is the joy of it. But there is no unraveling of characters mm-hmm. in The Farewell. The, the slow opening up of characters. I, I, I feel like... Because The Farewell is definitely paced in a way where, like, her, her father and uncle, for instance, are characters who are kind of stoic at the beginning, and then over the course of the movie, they have their times to open up a little bit more, and her aunt also does. And, like, characters do kind of each have a moment where you learn a little bit more about them than you did at the beginning in a way that feels like a, a movie that is about building the ensemble characters. I guess, I guess for me, at the time and now, what I remember is I love this family, mm-hmm. and I love spending time with them. I don't really remember anything outside of the pitch and the fact that I love this family. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we recorded that review that never appeared of our second week at the festival, I compared it to... Um, uh, small enough to fail or whatever yeah. the that documentary was where like i couldn't tell you what that was actually about like i knew that it was like a family who had a bank who was trying to help the community and then like they weren't big enough to not fail but what it's really about is dad eating a sandwich and saying it's too dry. Yeah. yeah and and like i love that documentary mm-hmm. because the daughter and the father and the other sisters and like they're just all so hilarious and so charming and I really enjoyed the documentary, not because I learned something about the financial crisis and what happened to this family's like family-owned bank and the tragedy of that. What I remembered is this, this, this love of this family unit and how they would eat food together. And I feel that the farewell has that same exact charm, and that aspect of the story excites me. But like, I'm still left wanting more about like whether it's the right thing to do to withhold this information, whether it's the wrong thing, what that actually does to the people who are pretending. Like, we see, like, Aquafina is the only one who doesn't want to play along. Mm. And she is, I guess, maybe an audience surrogate a little bit, where, like, we see her not being comfortable with the whole thing that's happening. Well, I think there's something a little meta going on. Not meta, but I think the adults in her life are doing to her what everyone wants to do to Nene, which is they don't want to show her that they are feeling uncomfortable with the situation also. Yeah. And there are definitely moments when different adult figures seem to have, like, a moment where they crack. And you can kind of see, like, nobody likes to do this. And I I think, like, one theme of the movie is that her parents have been withholding tons of stuff from her throughout her life too, right? Yeah. Like, she wouldn't even know about this trip if she hadn't, like, noticed that they were acting funny and asked about it. Yeah. Um. So I do think there's like a level there where because she's the American, she is the audience surrogate who is like unable to control the emotions that she's feeling and everyone else wears a mask most of, most yeah. of the time. But she's also like yeah, she found out and is upset, but she was being left out because everybody's it, it's the equivalent of you can't keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I uh, so all that being said, I very much enjoyed watching this film. I don't know if it'll last with me. Um, outside of just remembering the charm of the film, which is not a, that's not like a complete diss against the film, but I think we, when we, or what I guess when I booked the ticket, you already knew you weren't going to be around that night. 
I had only heard very positive things about it, mm-hmm. and you confirmed that it had a bunch of buzz coming out of like can or whatever it was Sundance, Sundance, yeah, yeah. So it's like all I knew is this is supposed to be like the greatest thing since sliced bread, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, that was really fun and charming, but w- maybe I just want some sliced bread. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear that, and, and that that is why I did feel like overhype can hurt this movie and it isn't even because it like it can't hold up to it it's like i don't think it is the sort of movie that is meant to hold up to it yeah um i think it's the sort of movie that has to be kind of like delicately handed around you know um i i did like a lot of the the specifics of the family dynamic too like like grandma always seems to kind of speak her mind and say like say the brash thing without caring, you know, how it's going to be received. Like, the first thing, basically, she says to Aquafina when she walks in is, like, you look terrible. I, <laughs> your mom said you were skinny. I don't think you're skinny. <laughs> um, I, the, like, the, the scene of the family at uh, the grandfather's grave as a kind of proxy for them grieving her, watching her grieve her husband, um, but then everyone is like leaving things on the grave and smoking a cigarette and arguing about whether like the grandfather should smoke or not while he's dead. Uh, yeah. I thought all of that was really, really funny. Um, and there were some, I thought, really good emotional conversations too. Like there's one between Aquafina and her uncle and her father late one, the night before the wedding, I think. Um, and she is saying, you know, what she's been wanting to say the whole time, which is, why don't why can't we tell her like let's just tell her this is cruel like this isn't right and her uncle basically says like no we we do this so we can hold the emotional burden of it we're not forcing it upon her what you want to do is let go of your responsibility and throw it on someone else and i thought that idea of like it, it kind of weirdly fits with midsummer the idea of like other people <laughs> carrying your grief for you um yeah, I'm I'm sure this is the only podcast that's comparing those two movies. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought there was I mean, something really... You could call Midsummer the Farewell also. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I just thought there was something really beautiful about the that idea that like the way the these families see it is that like they are carrying the grief. It, it isn't that they're just holding like the grandmother with the kid gloves because they don't think she can take it. It's that like they're they see it as a sacrifice that like they are having to suffer through this without her there to like support them in it um yeah so i i I really really enjoyed that Uh, i also i don't know I, i just thought it was it was very gentle and it rode this line between comedy and drama in a way that i really liked where there are scenes that are like very funny like there were definitely a few good chuckles in the audience but it never tilts into like the wacky family dynamic movie. It is always more about it, it's almost as if like you are remembering someone is remembering their relatives and is like honoring by telling the stories that involve some quirky behavior and some tender behavior at the same time. Yeah. And I, I just felt like all that comes through really strongly in the movie. Uh so yeah, I I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I do think the the real story what struck me is that at least in the movie, it sounds like this story was not remotely unique in China. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. the movie makes it seem like this is a very common thing that families would do in China. Um, 
which is interesting because it kind of it, it takes like the the this American life story feels like wow how interesting how different but really what it is is like a look at a a culture that we haven't experienced before yeah. and I think that kind of elevates it beyond this is the thing that happened to my family and more like this thing is going to be the way I introduce you all to my my family and my culture. And now that you're here, let's just explore that for a while instead. Yeah. So what what, what I think would be really interesting movie-wise is the, like, Schenectady, New York version of this. Because, like, in the Q&A, they talked about how, like, they were scouting locations for the movie. And then they were like, you know what? The only place that's really going to work is basically my grandma's street. Yeah. And like it basically kept piling on where like now family members were in the movie and yeah. they were literally on the street and they'd ha- so like they're making a film about how they lied to their grandmother about the fact that she's dying and they're making the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying not to like let anybody spill the beans on what's going on. Yeah. So it it there I think like the Q&A was really awesome to just kind of hear the conversations with the family and hear the decisions that were made to like where they were going to film and where they're going to and like all the way down to like specific rooms that they were using to film certain scenes. And like, I want to see that movie where it's the movie about the truth of them making the movie about the story that we are watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be great. <laughs> I, I don't know how somehow I, I knew going in that, uh, Nene's sister in the movie is like her real uh, aunt or great aunt. Yeah. Uh, and like, I love that character. <laughs> that character, I, for good reasons, felt so real to me. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it does have this kind of stories we tell, like blending of truth and fiction that I, that I liked a lot. Um, one thing I felt, I feel this a lot with movies now, but I felt it very strongly here, is I wish I had not seen the trailer before let alone like 20 times before because the trailer i <laughs> Wait, swear so where have you been seeing the trailer uh amc has been playing it a lot uh, alamo has played it a lot I, I feel like i've seen the trailer a bunch in the last few months huh. and the trailer kind of walks you through i feel like every scene in this movie has like at least a shot in the trailer gotcha. um, and there's something about it that like when I was watching it, there were so many lines that I felt like would have hit me harder if I hadn't seen them chopped together already a bunch yeah. of times. Uh, so, so that was kind of a shame. Um, oh, one one scene I liked that I don't understand at all. I wonder if they talked about it in the Q and A. Is this this bird game that they're playing at the wedding toward the end? It, it seems like Chinese big booty, big booty, big booty, <laughs> where they're like they're doing a thing, and then I think they say someone's name, and then it tosses it over oh, there, yeah, and then around they have the table. to say it back to someone else. It's like the the bunny up game, right? End. Where you have to like. I, yeah, I think it's I. I don't remember if they made it up or if it's just a, a flavor of another game that is played. But yeah, mm-hmm. the where they keep making the one guy drink. Yep, <laughs> that was good. Yep. So I I referenced it when I was explaining what the film was about. But is that a sham wedding or is it a real wedding that was moved up in time? Like I I couldn't I couldn't I didn't understand whether the son of the family was actually dating this girl and they were pretending they were getting married or if that was just a random girl they got to come on the trip to pretend to get married mm-hmm. or if they were already going to get married but they pushed forward the date of the wedding. I, yeah. I didn't understand what that dynamic is. Yeah, I, I don't remember from the This American Life episode if they go into it. 
the sense from the movie, and this is coming from someone who left the movie like an hour ago. Yeah. Um, so all I have is like whatever the movie was giving me. Um, I think it was a real wedding, but it was escalated for the grandmother. Like moved forward or yeah. just... Okay. Yeah, like I think it was moved forward substantially for the sake of the grandmother, yeah. but I don't think it was like... Because that couple is awkward as hell. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> So I couldn't tell with plus hey, like you'd be awkward too if you got married three months into dating somebody. <laughs> true, and that's the thing is I I I don't I don't know how weddings are in China. So I'm, I'm like it just it wasn't the like the outfits they were wearing. It looked like a school dance almost, right? <laughs> so I, I I just I I was so lost and confused because I just didn't know what was going on. I, I feel like part of that. So I've never been to a wedding in China, but I have been to a. 60th birthday celebration from a bunch of Cantonese people in Thailand and that like <laughs> ornate everything where things are dressed up as if you're kind of at like a fundraising event or at like a a, a ballroom in a gymnasium or something like that like I, I, I feel like I've seen that vibe before <laughs> cool <laughs> but yeah I, I couldn't tell either uh where where that discomfort was supposed to be coming from. I also couldn't tell if so the the bride definitely doesn't speak any Chinese in the movie. Um and so like I get the sense that they both like the groom also has been in Japan for a long time, so he also doesn't really speak very well in Chinese anymore, but I, I wasn't really sure about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yep. <laughs> Good times. Um, so should we get to verdicts? Sure. <laughs> All right. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, must-see. This is the kind of, like, blood pressure-lowering movie that I really vibe with. <laughs> that just, like, it's calm, it's quiet, it has a lot of beautiful things to say about family and life and the immigrant experience and the kind of, the straddling of, like, guilt and joy that you feel that like guilt that you're leaving your family behind but then you know that family is proud of you for leaving and is like excited for you at the same time i i thought that was all just really beautifully done um in a way that was much more like nuanced than like i would say crazy rich asians kind of tried to tackle those themes too a bit of the feeling of being in both worlds at the same time and not not fitting in with the family dynamic the way that you used to uh, but I feel like this movie just did it from a much more personal place. Yeah, which I mean that that film was sense. overtly about that in the narrative, and this yep. film is like one that tackles it on a more subdued, sort of naturalistic way. Yeah, so. yeah, and I do think Aquafina is really good in this movie. I, yeah. I hope it launches a career that has as much drama as it does playing the comedic the, sidekick, the wacky <laughs> yeah, person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. I think I'm going to give it a reckoner with a caveat. Um, I was incredibly charmed by the film, um, but it doesn't have the staying power for me. The narrative isn't as lasting for me outside of like, oh, that is a very odd tale. <laughs> um, but I did very much enjoy it. And I I don't think anybody could watch this film and not at least have like an enjoyable time with it. Um, it just, you know doesn't doesn't tip that uh that must see spot for me mm. cool cool <laughs> 
Well, I believe that is going to do it for a review of The Farewell. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSporeTheWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, um, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Farewell, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, we are going to take off for now, but we will be back next week with a review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, 70 millimeter edition. <laughs> nice. See, I, I couldn't even tell you what version played at Cannes. Like I, I, it has to be the 70 millimeter version, Yeah, yeah, version, it had right? to be too. They just, and it was definitely like ultra wide. I just don't, I don't remember them making, I guess they wouldn't make a big deal about it there, but... I assume yeah, that like I felt like someone would have written that somewhere. I just assume that like given Tarantino got like the special like hey I'm still cutting the film but yep. it's going to be there next week. I assume he's not going to give them not his version. Of course, right? yeah. So, um that's true. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, you're screening just take for granted that it was the 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we're going to be doing that. So we'll be back then. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Healing of the spirit, come healing of the land.